0: We're privileged to have Robert Richardson and his precious wife, Ann, with us all the way from Texas. And Robert has been helping us since 1989. I first met him. And uh, you don't have crooks back. He came to help us raise finances to complete our buildings and to build, you know, you can Do me wrong once, but I'm an idiot to have you twice. But when you have them back for over 22 years, they've proved to be a friend, proved to be people of wisdom, of character, love the cause of Jesus Christ. We count it a privilege that we've been in this loving brotherhood fellowship all this time. I want you to welcome Robert Richardson today as he preaches.
1: I don't know whether that's a sign or not both times the first service now whatever this gadget is keeps falling out I don't know what that's the Lord saying just throw it away and don't preach or keep it short I would seriously consider that except I've heard you preach and I'll bet you can't even spell short my wife was sitting next to me as the pulpit started raising and she jumped like she was scared I'm not scared for it to raise when it starts falling over that's when I'm going. I was preaching within the last few weeks at another church I couldn't find a clock and I kept looking because I am conscious of the fact that I ought to quit sooner or later and uh, I couldn't find it and so I said Where's the clock? And one of the deacons sitting at the Baptist church on the front said, We don't have a clock. Just look at your feet. And I looked, and there was a little square there. He said, When time's up, that opens, and you're gone. So just (laughs) preach as long as you want. (laughs) So I quit worrying about the clock. But I kept looking down all through the sermon. (laughs) I was not going to be caught off guard. I want to say a word of it, appreciation and thanks to Carolyn and to Ann. Listening to me preach, I'm talking about me, I get tired of hearing what I say occasionally. But Ann and Carolyn have to hear it all the time. And Carolyn listened to Phil, and I'm amazed she's back to second service today, but she's, and does, Anne does the same thing, so I want to say thanks to them and a word of appreciation for their patience and long-suffering and encouragement. I want to say thanks to you for the opportunity and privilege of being here. It's always an honor and a blessing and a privilege to share the word of God and with these dear friends and many 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 of you that I've come to know and appreciate and to love through the years. When I first started preaching, I preached my first sermon when I was a sophomore in high school before I went into my junior year in the summer and just got back to football camp having finished weekend revival for a church. When I first started preaching, I didn't know much don't know a lot more now, but I didn't know much about preaching then But somebody had said that a sermon has three points and a poem. I finally was able to find three points, but I never could consistently find a poem. So the other thing was I preached without notes. When I wanted to have notes, I'd use a three-by-five card as a cheat sheet and hide it where nobody would see it because I didn't want them to know us. But I've gotten older and uh, as my granddaddy used to say as he got older he was a jockey as a young man and as he got older he used to say the old gray marriage just ain't what she used to be so I have notes now I don't have an ego that I used to have I wear glasses so I can see so just hang on where we're going I'm not sure But we're going somewhere. Ann and I have three children. Our oldest son and his family left for Telluride Colorado to ski this week. They do that on an annual basis. He takes his entire family. Ann and I have skied in our younger days and love it. I'm reminded of a ski story There are 3,800 times in the Bible where the Scripture says, Thus saith the Lord. We all are exposed to that. I'm not going to use all 3,800 today. We're all exposed to that. But the exposure is minimal unless we do something with what we're exposed to. Now my ski story. There was a young man skiing, went to the top of the mountain, started down. And in the ski genre, green is for the easiest route, novice beginner skiers. Black is for the expert and the worst terrain, etc. So here comes this young kid that is skiing, sailing down, and comes to a fork in the trail. One of them is green, and the other is black. He wants the green, but he can't manipulate his skis, so instead of going green, he goes black. And here he goes down the trail for a professional skier, doesn't know what to do, comes to a curve, instead of turning, he just goes over the edge. Well, floundering and flailing, he's trying to catch, and all of a sudden, he catches a tree. And there he is, hanging on. Gets his breath Looks down, looks up, looks around, looks back up and says, Help! Help! Anybody up there? In a minute a voice says, How can I help you, my son? He says, Who are you? He says, I'm God. He says, Help me. He says, Okay. Turn loose. Is there anybody else up there? <laughs> That's a very sad but true story for many of us in our uh, reading the scripture, hearing sermons, and seeking to discern the will of God. It's not that we don't want to be exposed to whatever it says. Many times we'd like to have an alternate message. Jesus had finished teaching one day, and as he was ready to leave, a young man in a crowd of people said, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance. This is in Luke chapter 12, beginning with verse 13. Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Now, what he was asking was not bad, not wrong. In fact, according to Jewish law, it was his requirement to have a portion of the inheritance of his dad. Good master, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And we have no idea why it hadn't been done. We never told that. Uh, whether the older brother was reluctant, whether he was not going to do we don't know. And we don't know whether the younger brother was just wanting his part or was wanting more than his part, maybe a 50-50. We do believe, according to our study, scholars do believe that probably the young man knew enough about Jesus that if Jesus got involved, that it'd make a difference. We don't know whether his older brother knew Jesus, knew about Jesus, but this young man apparently had seen Jesus in action to the degree that with his authority, he was hoping to be helped. Well, the problem was, Jesus told him very quickly, I don't mess with that kind of stuff. No, he didn't say that. That's, that's Texan. Jesus said, man, who's made me to be a judge between the two of you? I'm not here for that. Then he turned to his disciples, and beginning with verse 15, he said, take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance Of the things he possesses now apparently Jesus had a suspicion that this young man's motives were not all right something wrong somewhere then Jesus spoke a parable of them saying the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully he thought within himself saying what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops this is what I will do I'll pull down my barns and build greater ones there, and I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat, about the body, what you'll put on. Life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow or reap. They neither storehouse or gather in a barn, And yet God feeds them. How much more value are you than birds? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to your stature? If you then are not able to do this as the least, why are you anxious for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If God clothes the fields and grass, which is today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? You might want to write those three words down, at least in your mind. How much more? How much more? Every time you look at a bird, how much more? Every time you see grass growing. How much more? If God takes care of the birds, He's going to take care of you. If God takes care of the grass, He's going to take care of you. Write those words down. They are important. Do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink or have an anxious mind. All of these things the nations of the world seek. But your Father knows that you have need of these things. You seek the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, I want to talk to you a little bit about this rich farmer. If he lived here in your area, More than likely, he'd be a member of your chamber of commerce, or he'd be a high official somewhere around, because nothing he has done is bad to this point. I mean, you want success. He sowed a crop, reaped a harvest, done well, thinking about taking care of what he had. But in the entire process of assessing his success and his life, he made four costly mistakes. Number one, he mistook man for God. He planted the seed. He harvested the crops, he tore down the barns, and he built bigger, bigger. but he forgot that if God had not created the earth, he'd had nowhere to plant the seed. If God had not made the seed bearing herbs, he would have had no seed to bear. If God had not made the sun to shine in the day, he would not have been able to warm the earth, to germinate the seed. If God had not caused the rain to fall from heaven to water and to nourish, he would have not had the sustenance for his crop to grow. If God had not given him the ability to think and the strength to do, he could not have harvested his crops he mistook man for God there's never a reference in this passage of Scripture outside of Jesus remarks of any reference to God this man had no awareness consciousness involvement or relationship to God if he, if he did, it was insignificant and meaningless. It would not have fit with the prayer that the pastor let us in praying, Pray believing. He had nothing to believe in as far as what we can see. He mistook man for God. Listen to what God says in the book of Hosea. God's talking to the children of Israel through Hosea the prophet. And he is making a reference of them being a wayward wife. And she has abandoned her husband, being God, and has gone a whoring, is what the Hebrew would lead us to believe. Now, God's given an assessment of her. And he says this, she did not know that I gave her the grain that she eats. She does not know that I gave her the new wine and the new oil that she drinks. And that she uses. I multiplied her silver and her gold. I will return and take away my grain in its time. My wine in its season. My wool and my linen. Try that on for size. Mistook man for God can't pack too much anymore. The scripture that Edwin Chandra read, David is taking an offering, as it were, to build the temple. And what David is doing is confessing to God that he is grateful that he can give to this majestic opportunity. But he is saying also, I don't have anything to give that you've not given to me. Listen to me. Yours, O oh Lord, is greatness, power, glory, victory, majesty. For all that is in heaven and earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom. You're exalted as head above all. Riches and honor come from you. You reign over all. In your hand is power and might. In your hand it is to make great. You give strength to all. Now, therefore, our God, we thank you. And we praise you for your glorious name. But who am I? And who are my people? That we should be able to do this, to offer this so willingly. For all things come from you. And of your own we have given back to you. Don't tell me you can't tithe. You don't have anything to give God. Except what he has given to you. And what a gracious, generous God we have. 10%. How much is Uncle Sam asking you for? You don't say no to him? Think seriously, folks. He mistook man for God. In addition to that, he mistook his body for his soul. What does he say? Soul, you've done so well, much goods, many years. Soul, take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry for many years. The two words in the Greek language, three, but we're using two words in the Greek language that talk about life. One of them is the Greek word bios, B-I-O-S. That's where we get biology. The Bible said when God had created, finished his creative process, last thing he did was to reach down into the ground and pick up a handful of dirt and messed with it a little bit. And when he had finished... He had a man, Adam. He had created. Now, successively, God had created everything there is. Why ye be me Hasho fatim? The Hebrew says, in the beginning, God created everything. And so, he's standing there with, out of the Greek language, bios. Adam in the Hebrew, a man. Then he gently brought that handful of dirt to his mouth and breathed into its nostrils the breath of life. And it became a living soul. The second word in the Greek language that describes life is Zoe, Zoe. It's that quality of life that enables us to be like God. St. Augustine has said, Our soul is restless within ourselves until we find our rest in Thee. There is no rest outside of a right relationship. To God he gives the peace that passes understanding he fulfills the greatest need emptiness and void in our life and he provides the very essence of all he mistook his body For his soul. The third mistake he made, he mistook stewardship for ownership. He owned nothing, but he was given the privilege and opportunity. And blessing of managing, managing for the great God and creator of himself and the universe. And so are we. Do you understand what a privilege that is for God to entrust you and me with all that he does? I mean, he who spoke it into being and with his hand flung the stars out into the sky and named them as they flung out to their respective places and said to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply and manage everything that I have made. What an awesome, awesome, awesome privilege God has given us. I have friends from Africa. They say that in some parts of Africa, when you want to catch a monkey, that you don't get a net. And unless you are barbaric, you don't take darts You get a coconut and hollow it out, pour the juice out, and put just enough rain in it that when you shake it, the monkey can hear it. You make the hole just large enough for the monkey to put his hand in. Have you ever seen a cat go through a hole that's not big enough to go through You make that hole just big enough for the monkey to put his hand in. But when he gets his hand in and fills it with grain, he can't bring it out. You need to be careful. I need to be careful. When we get our hand in God's business and try to get it out, We're stewards, yeah. not owners. Is it so hard to give back to Him a part of what He's given to us? What did Jesus say? Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. I used to have people quote that scripture and say, where your heart is that's where your treasure you get a man's heart right and you get his treasure no Jesus is smarter than we are if that had been true Jesus would have said that Jesus said where the treasure is that's where your heart is you see your treasure doesn't follow your heart until your heart can conquers your treasure let me ask what's your treasure what is it that you won't give up what is it that you've got your whole your hand around that you can't pull it out and turn loose? It's your survival, it's your sustenance, it's your stability, it's whatever you want to call it. What is your treasure? That monkey holds on to that long enough, he'll die that monkey holds on to it long enough, that wheat will rot. Jesus says your treasure needs to be up here. There is no rust. There is no moth. There are no thieves. You don't have to worry about the stock market crashing. You don't have to worry about your bank account being below a certain amount. I was in in seminary with a young man, dynamic young man, but he worried to death when his bank account got below $1,000. And folks, back in the 1950s, $1,000 was money. But I've seen him almost sweat blood because he'd come from a fluent family and God had called him to preach and he'd left something to what he considered to be nothing, but he continuously checked his bank book. And when it got down to below a thousand he'd begin to panic there is not a subtle difference between ownership and stewardship there's a magnificent wide, width wideness come on 82 year old man get together it is so vast That you cannot hold them close together. And either you own it. Or you manage it. And you have to make that decision for yourself. He made a fourth mistake. And that fourth mistake was. He mistook time. For eternity. So. Take your ease. You've got a lot laid up. Many years to sit back, put your feet on the couch, have a little cool drink, Cuban cigar if you want to, read the latest magazine. don't matter. Long time, many years. You've earned it. You deserve it. You're rewarding yourself. You're just paying back all of the work that you put into it. Don't let anybody tell you different. God said, fool, you don't have many years. You don't have one year. You don't have six months. You don't have one month. You don't have a week. You don't have a day. Tonight, tonight, your soul is required. It is appointed unto man once to die. And after that, the judgment. Tonight, I forgive me, God. I'm almost certain God had a smile on his face when he said, And then, whose will these things be that you've spent all of this time trying to own instead of managing? You know, folks, just one breath. Between time and eternity. September the 8th, 1935, Huey P. Long died at the age of 42. Huey P. Long was one of the most popular governors in the state of Louisiana. After governing for a number of years, he went to Washington as a United States Senator. Carried the same power and authority to Washington that he did in Louisiana. But because he had been so popular, he was a consultant for the Louisiana State Department. Had an office in the capital, in Baton Rouge spent a lot of time there, was preparing to run for president in 1936 against Franklin Delano Roosevelt. In his office in Baton Rouge, September the 8th, 1935, a young man comes in to his desk and says to him, Senator Long... I'd like an appointment, please. I have an emergency, a crisis. I just need five minutes of your time. Legend says that Huey P. Long looked at him and got up from behind his desk, walked around, slapped his desk and said, Son, I don't have time for you. In fact, if Jesus Christ himself were here today, he'd have to make an appointment to see me turned around and walked out in the hall, walked down this marbled hall with pillars toward the chamber where he was going to meet. Halfway down the hall, William Device stepped out from behind one of the columns and blew his brains out. Man who had, did not have five minutes for Jesus now stood in his presence for eternity Jesus said so is everyone like this man who lays up treasures for himself and is not rich toward God what is your treasure and where is it pastor